Welcome to the Tossing Clubs Podcast. Next on the tee, your hosts, Frank Jang, Zach Moses, and Aaron Tan. Yo, what is up, everyone? This is Tossing Clubs. My name is Frank. I'm joined by Zach. Uh, this week, we still don't have Aaron. Zach, uh, can you, like, where is this guy? I don't actually know when he's coming back. Like, he kind of just said he's <laughs> taken some time off, and then he didn't give us a return date. So, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know where Aaron is, to be honest. I think his trip over in Asia is coming to an end soon. And he has some pretty exciting news that he can share himself when he gets back onto the podcast. But yeah, I, I, I think he's coming back next week. Hope so. We could use the third voice. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope so too. You know, this week during their group text talking about what to do, I was just hoping that, you know, I would see a blue text from Aaron and then it's just like, oh, I guess uh, it's just us two again. <laughs> iMessages definitely work overseas so i think he's just completely ignoring us which is totally fair because he's got plenty <laughs> of other things going on there's like a wedding he attended and some other stuff so uh i guess we'll hear all about it next time he uh, hops on the podcast yeah speaking of things occurring overseas let's talk about the Ryder cup so we're recording this on friday the 29th so we already know the results after the first day um and for the u.s it's not looking good is it zach it's looking horrible i mean they got swept in the morning uh alternate shot did not pick up any points four zero to the european team and then in the afternoon session they kept picked up a couple points but six and a half to one and a half after day one that's like quite a uh, deficit to make up basically if they don't have a great day tomorrow saturday it's pretty much over and sunday will just be i mean they'll just be out there for because they have to be but uh or actually does it just like end like if they collect enough points tomorrow like europe <laughs> they just like win all the is it just like done and like people that had tickets for sunday just like don't even have to go <laughs> that is a great question and something that i'm sure that some people have thought about but as just a general spectator and fan of this event <laughs> It would just be insane if that happened. That would be such an embarrassment. You know, I, I they probably play out, but yeah. I can't imagine anyone really caring what happens at that point. I was surprised, and this was the topic of, topic of conversation after today's results. Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth did not play at all in the morning session. And a lot of people were saying, you know, why did you bring Justin Thomas onto this team? Because... He excels in the group format, in the partner format. Like he's an okay singles player, but like he's there because he is the energy behind the team. And to not have him play at all in the morning session, and then the team goes 0-4. Also, Brooks Kepka left out of the morning session. Guy's just, he's a dog. So, uh, I mean, questionable pairing. I mean, if they had won out and won all their matches, no one would have said anything, but... I thought that was an interesting uh, note coming out of today. That is an interesting point. And overall, I just want to ask, oh, well, let me address that point. I mean, I, I'm looking at the results and it, Team Europe started off with John Rahm and Terrell Haddon. We started off with Sky Scheffler and Sam Burns. Not not bad, right? But Sam Burns definitely isn't 
like the guy who excites everyone. But it, you know, John Rahm and Scotty, they're like the best players for their respective teams, arguably. Yep. And then I see Hovland and Aberg. You know, I think those are the two young guns that everyone's looking forward to seeing develop in the future. I guess Max Homa and Brian Harmon. I, I mean, I don't know about Brian Harmon, man. I, I didn't really see how he played, but I just feel like he's not that dog. It questionable. He either is or he isn't. Because you know he, <laughs> he fights a lot of uh, battles when it comes to convincing other people that he is that type of player because he does not hit the ball far. He's not in an, an imposing figure at all. But yet he went out and like dominated in the British Open. So... I don't know. I feel like his mental toughness is probably really strong, but yeah, like as a competitor that's going to walk onto the first tee and be like, yeah, I'm about to dominate. Like it's sometimes hard to yeah. uh, back that up when you're talking about Brian Harmon. Yeah. I would have loved to see like a speed Thomas or a Brooks home up here. And that would have been sick. But anyways, USA lost four and three uh, match three. It was Shane Lowry and Sepp Straka against Ricky Fowler and Colin Morikawa. I'm, guessing they have that japanese gene in them um so that's why they were paired but yeah i I was like oh okay that's an interesting pairing uh they lost two and one and then the match four mackerel and fleetwood against xander and cantley um which xander and cantley i think they played all right but uh just didn't yeah man they they are up there with thomas and speed in my eyes as our top team uh representing the u.s and you know, for them to not get a point was disappointing. But I don't know. I think what was more surprising was what happened in the afternoon. Uh, in fact, the besides the Morikawa Shoffley match, which was uh, not embarrassing because McElroy and Fitzpatrick they dominated the front nine. Uh, they had set, like crazy like nine birdies in the first eleven holes or something like that. But the U.S. team they all had leads, and on eighteen. Like just things didn't fall in for them. Yeah, it's gotta be so frustrating. I mean, Hovland hits a super long putt on eighteen. Uh, Rom makes another one, and they have those matches. And I mean, the scoreboard looks a lot different if that doesn't happen. There's also like a number of chip-ins today. Didn't Rom have two or three chip-ins? Three. three? Yeah. yeah. Like. How does that like that doesn't usually happen? I don't know. Uh, so yeah, we could be to have telling a different story right now, but the way it fell, US is in quite a big hole, yeah. Um, but looking forward to Saturday, and so now I think it's possible the US comebacks. Um, but I just wanted to say I was on Team Europe from the get go from that pod, so yes, we are aware. <laughs> well for this episode this week we are going to do um sort of like a grab bag of comments and questions from our listeners slash uh uh viewers on tiktok and instagram i thought this would be interesting because a lot of times zach when you create these clips it's hard to get everything inside that clip right it's you know usually there's some context that we have before or after th- you know, what we say that make it onto the clip that really help explain everything. And uh, honestly, a lot of times it does get lost uh, to these people who view these videos. Yes. I mean, 
a lot of the context around what we're talking about on the podcast, if you don't listen to the actual full podcast, and we thank all of you that are listening right now, like those clips, you're trying to capture a ton of information in 10 to 20 seconds. And so, <laughs> you know, there might be a hot take there on, on TikTok uh, with that needs some additional explanation that doesn't always make it. So yeah, you get a lot of weird comments, especially on TikTok, just like a weird platform overall. Um, it's, it's, it's funny and entertaining. And especially those videos that go pretty viral and get many thousands of views, you're just getting a laundry list of different wild things in the comments. So yeah, excited to talk about a few of those today. Uh, before we jump into those though, Zach, how has it been? You know, we've been doing this for almost two years now and, you know, creating clips and seeing those comments roll in. Like, well, is this what you thought being a content creator would be? I think at first we reacted to a lot of them and like sometimes took stuff personally. Like you'd see a comment that may be a bit <laughs> negative and it would fluster us. And we'd be like, no, like that's not right. Like these people are wrong. They're stupid. They're idiots. Like they don't understand the full story. And I feel like today we post stuff and don't even look at the comments. Like it, like they don't, I don't feel anything when, when yeah. a random commenter comes on and says something uh, that's like inaccurate or, or mean or whatever it might be. We also get some positive comments, which are, are nice to read too. But um, I think it's just more entertaining than anything, especially the folks that show up more often than others. And you kind of recognize some of the names as like repeat commenters and yeah, there's some spicy stuff. So uh, it's still fun. I still enjoy it. I think it's uh, it's always entertaining. Oh my gosh! When we first started posting, there's this guy who had this whale. Um, yeah, I would describe it as a cartoon whale as his like profile photo. His handle, Scrungo Beepus. Scrungo. He uh, commented on like every other video, and it was always like sort of this, as a matter of a fact, or like actually. Like, okay, cool, cool. I, I love it, man. Listen to our pod and you'll get the full context. Yeah, just super strong opinions on equipment. Anything equipment related, he was on top of it. Always, for the most part, slightly negative or questioning <laughs> what we had to say. Like, also a huge title is Stan, which was uh, pretty funny. Um, but yeah, we always looked out for the Scrungo comment. And when he hit, we knew that video had reached like a good amount of people because, you know, it made it to Scrungo's algorithm, <laughs> made it to his speed, which was always pretty entertaining. I think he's since changed his name and we don't see him as often. So I don't know where yeah. he went, but yeah. uh, come back. Scrungo. We, yeah, we miss you, Scrungo. Uh, well, okay, let's get started because you talked about equipment and actually our equipment podcasts and our equipment TikToks and clips are actually some of our most popular uh, a lot of people are very very passionate about brands which is uh, i guess i don't know is that surprising to you uh not really i mean people are so into their own gear like you're making a conscious decision when you buy each piece of equipment and there's a reason why you're doing it so i get it y yeah yeah I, I get it i get it i guess uh, it's just there's just some negativity that rolls from it which is uh you know it would be that intense but <laughs> it is what it is anyway zach one of uh our most popular videos recently is actually the draft videos right where when we're doing a fancy draft of all of our uh, equipment 
so we did this draft and probably our most frequent comment is saying, yo, why is there no Strixon? No Strixon yet is insane. Zach, could you please just like let everyone know why Strixon was not on the board? It's it's a good question. Uh, and Strixon is essentially the same company as Cleveland Golf. They're both owned by like the same parent company there was essentially like a merger between the two and so cleveland wedges went off the board pretty early it was one of my draft picks and because cleveland was off the board we considered srixon off the board and so could not draft it but yes there were quite a few people that called that out i mean srixon makes incredible clubs they make really good irons good golf balls brooks rocks srixon for the most part so like definitely a quality brand and someone we would have liked to have had as one of our picks and we kind of did but it was just covered by cleveland wedges so that's that's the reasoning there yeah yeah uh but i think uh we should apologize though because actually no we shouldn't apologize well some people did say well hey you have mizuno and benardi i thought they were like partner companies well yes you are right but actually from what i understand from benardi's website this partnership actually ended back in 2012 so technically i we believe they're two separate companies so you know i just want to clear that you know miss you know like false fact that people are providing (laughs) that's a good clarification i think the other one that showed up quite a bit was titleist and scotty cameron's everybody was like where's your scotty cameron putter how is that not off the board if you listen to the podcast, Frank took Titleist number one overall. Scotty Cameron is a Titleist brand. We consider that off the board. People were asking about Vokey Wedges. Like, why aren't Vokey Wedges one of the picks here? Well, it's because Titleist was taken. It, the Scotty Cameron was taken. It's just you got to know who owns these different golf yeah, clubs. Yeah, yeah, uh, Zach, you want to? What's your uh, comment? Yeah. I do want to stay on this topic because uh, I oh, was also no. I was also looking at the equipment videos, and one of the most common comments that came through was, "Should have went with the good good putter." Bro, are you for real right now? Oh, well, I'm I'm and I, I'm curious. I've never hit the good good putter. I don't know if you have. I was looking into it. Uh, the good good putter. Guess how much that putter costs? I'm gonna guess three hundred bucks because yeah so it's it's a little bit over 300 there's like a couple different putters that they have one's a blade one's a mallet they're like around 320 330 dollars so definitely on the pricey side for putter they look okay (laughs) my 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 first reaction to the good good putter was are they just selling a very expensive kind of crappy putter but using the good good brand they're going to make a ton of money off it. Like, is this actually a good golf club? And I mean, I don't know. I have never hit it, but I did look up this video. There is a review on YouTube that I thought was pretty interesting. Mr. Short Game, this like pretty popular YouTube guy, tries out the good, good putter, takes it to the lab, does all the different putting with like all the different numbers on the screen looking at where you're hitting the ball what does your stroke look like how are the how is the weighting of the club affecting like your path he compared it to like scotty's odyssey's even roll putter and it actually performs surprisingly incredibly well 
Really? Like it was just as good, if not better, in many of the different categories relative to all these other name brand putters. And on top of that, the guy who was like testing uh, the putter, like the expert in the room that like does testing as his job, he said the the like the length and the weight and the setup of the good good putter which is standard for every putter like they're not custom it's basically this equivalent and same setup as brad faxon's putter brad faxon is known as being one of the best putters in professional golf ever he doesn't really play much anymore but it seems like good good actually put quite a bit of time and effort into making a quality putter which was a surprise to me so when I saw those comments on our videos, it was like, these are whack, but hey, they may have a point. Good, good putter. Interesting. You know, when they uh, collab with Callaway, I don't know if they're sponsors, but or, I mean, they are sponsors because Callaway provides good, good with their clubs. I thought maybe the good, good put- putters would be manufactured by Odyssey, but I think they're separate still, which is pretty neat. Uh I you know it's interesting because for a hundred dollars less actually you could get an Odyssey putter, and obviously those are really nice, and for a hundred dollar more maybe a little bit more than hundred bucks you could get a Sky Cameron. So they're at that price point where I actually think it's pretty smart, right? Because it's sort of like not the top level, but it's almost there, um, and. I personally think they look great. I like the color combo. Um, I like the logo. Uh, they offer mallet. They offer blade. I think it's good on them for doing their R&D. Yeah, it definitely looks like a quality product. I guess you just have to be a huge fan of Good Good yeah. to like want to buy it. I don't know. I mean, I guess I, I like their videos. I think they're it's awesome what they're doing. I don't also, I don't like live on YouTube and watch every single video that they produce. So for me, I'm probably not going to buy it. But I mean, I know they have some diehard fans out there and it it makes sense. I feel like there's a lot of creators that are making their own products nowadays. You think of like Mr. Beast making chocolate bars and like everybody's buying those chocolate bars. So it's uh, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool to see that like a a piece of equipment that was made by a creator is competitive with name brand companies like Titleist or TaylorMade. Yeah, they're in Golf Galaxies and I'm sure in other big brand stores. So that's pretty cool. Good for them. Uh, Okay, my next comment is, well, it's about uh, overrated, underrated. And I asked, are, you know, expensive putters overrated? Because obviously a lot of people see, oh, you have a Sky Cameron. Uh, That's such a dumb move. But, you know, one con- one person, and I feel like this is how I see it, is putting is all about confidence. If you have a nice putter, you'll feel confident pulling it out of the bag. And that's why I went with Sky Cameron with my 1-1 pick, <laughs> all right? And yes, I'm using this as an opportunity to defend my picks, but uh, that's not the main reason for this comment. I mean, I own a Scotty Cameron, and it was a similar thought process. It was like, I want to look down at a beautiful putter that I think is better than it probably is just because it costs a lot of money (laughs) and so uh i get it i i I do i agree that confidence is that's what good putting is like you know what your stroke's gonna do you know where the ball is gonna go so if that actually helps you totally aligned like that works here's how i see it i have a friend that has a tailor-made spider uh he also has an odyssey 
and he texted me, hey, which model Sky Cameron do you have? And I'm thinking like, dude, you already have like these two really good putters and I'm sure they'll do you just fine, but you're still asking about the Sky Cameron. And to me, it's like, okay, once I bought one of these, I don't have to think about it anymore. I'm just gonna, I financially tied myself to this putter and I'm not gonna buy any more putters because that would just be very silly of me. I mean, the like cost per use or whatever, like you're gonna, cost per it, use. I mean, it's not that bad if you think about it. Yes, you pay 500 bucks for a putter, but you're probably never gonna change it out for the rest of your career, potentially. I've had my Scotty Cameron putter for 15 years and I still use yeah. it. Yeah. And I bought it back when it was like two to 300 before inflation. So, I mean, I think I'm getting a pretty good uh, return on this, this golf club, to be honest. <laughs> right. Have you even thought about buying another putter? Never. Right. Right. Exactly. So that's how I feel too. It's like, dude, I'm going to have this mallet forever. I'm just going to use it. And, you know, it's definitely my stroke and I'm going to focus on my stroke. There's definitely an argument to be made, not just for golf equipment, but for a lot of things that it's sometimes worth paying up a bit in price because oh, oh no, because quality is going to be, well, generally slightly better, could last longer, and you think of it as a long-term investment. Like, think about a suit, right? Uh, I thought you were going to say, I thought you were going to say, think about a vest. Oh, that's that was a great <laughs> purchase. Don't worry about it. No, but like, you should probably own like a nice suit as like an adult man because you're going to go to weddings or... I don't know, formal dinners or whatever. And a nice suit could last a very long time. Absolutely. A dark blue suit, very versatile, good for interviews too, right? I totally, I'm totally with you, man. Sometimes you just can't be wearing, you know, I don't know, these like random off the rack, generic brand white shirts all the time. You know, you gotta like spice it up a little bit and make yourself look good and get some quality pieces. Look good, feel good. By a Scotty camera. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Switching gears here away from equipment for a little bit. One of our most popular videos as of late was also the draft of the best golf states in the United States. And on our final video where we showed all our draft picks, a few of the comments related to a particular state that we had not chosen. So if you remember, like California, New York, Florida were early picks for our best golf states. Um, a state that didn't make it, Arizona. So one of these guys, user 739493626267. Oh, great, great username, <laughs> which zero profile picture, only uses his account to talk shit, said... These guys are dumb as shit for not putting Arizona on this list at all. Loved it. Uh, I mean, and it, it had me thinking at least, like, do you think Arizona was a miss on our part as one of the top 12, because there were 12 picks, best golf states out there? Yeah, I looked at the comments when I was prepping for this, and I thought, oh, wow, yeah, there's a lot of uh, people talking about Arizona. And then I thought about my picks, right? And it's like, okay, you could argue that Arizona's better than Washington, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, I get it. Yeah, yeah, I'll concede. It's just when I was drafting, though, you know, I, I Google Arizona golf courses, and they all look the same, man. It's like the topography is the same. You get some Arizona hills in the back, um, some cactuses, and then 
I, I just feel like there would be more variety in other states. And so that's why I didn't put it up there. I think that's a great point. There are 370-ish golf courses in Arizona. Uh, Scottsdale, Phoenix are like the big cities, have tons of quality golf. In my opinion, there's a lot of very good golf in Arizona, but not exceptional golf. I mean, some of the best courses, and they are public courses, like Troon, Greyhawk, TPC Scottsdale, Wicopa, which we played earlier this year. Um, I agree. I think they all look pretty similar. They're all desert courses. They have a, like similar strengths and weaknesses out there. There are zero public golf courses. Not that this is the... Uh, Like, there's no top 100 golf courses in Arizona that are public. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, wow. And not that Golf Digest is the end-all, be-all of, like, what is a good golf course. But I just think there's tons of, like, quality places, tons of good ones. You can play there in the the winter. That's awesome. But there's not a standout, like, unbelievable place like a Shadow Creek in Vegas, like in Nevada, which is like one of our picks. And so I think for that reason, we left Arizona off. But I think a lot of our commenters were thinking of it as, you know, what is public golf I can play all the time? Yeah. And like that does have great public golf, but it just doesn't, in my opinion, have like exceptional, super top tier spots that everybody can play. You're getting real high nose here. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I've read that TPC Scottsdale is really not a great course. Uh, you know, you think about TPC Sawgrass, which for the longest time I've confused the two, but obviously they're on like different parts of the U.S. Uh, yeah, Sawgrass is like a bucket list course, but Scottsdale is like, oh, without the stands and such, it's like, you know, on 16, it's just like another part three. I mean, hot take. Are there any good TPC golf courses out there like outside TPC sawgrass of, so, okay outside of sawgrass i think a lot of tpc courses actually suck okay so true in my in my opinion this is just big golf throwing the tpc logo onto average slightly above average golf courses and then you're able to charge so much more money for people to play these golf courses you think of uh harding park in san francisco which we always talk about if that didn't have the tpc name in front of it I just like don't think people were playing there. And I feel like that's probably a similar thing to TBC Scottsdale. You obviously host the big uh, tournament there at the beginning of the year. Uh, what's it called? Uh, the Waste Management? The waste, yeah, the Waste Management. Um, and so people want to go play it because of that. They want to go play that hole, the par three hole, like 16, because um, you see it on TV. But I, I, I just think these are like decent golf courses that are bumped up because they have this name in front of them oh i completely agree uh tpc harding very mid course very expensive course as well uh okay next comment that i want to get your thoughts on zach as someone who will eventually return to california seems like it's being delayed over and over and over again (laughs) uh this was regarding our post about country club prices and inquiring you know where the fees uh, this guy asked, why would anyone want to live in California anyways? You have homelessness, crime, high taxes, and high country club fees. Uh, <laughs> so as someone who lives in California, I totally get what you're saying. It, yes, it does suck. But you have to understand as someone who, for me, I grew up in California, so I'm used to all of this, right? So this is like just normal to me. 
But Zach, as someone who has seen the other side and coming back, what are your thoughts on this guy's comments? It's a great question. I'm glad you asked. I'm glad we're talking about <laughs> this topic because I have mixed mixed feelings on it as on California as a whole. I think it helps when you've left the state to have an alternative like perspective on what else is out there. I do think a lot of people that live in California that grew up there haven't really seen much of anything else. It is hard to just appreciate other states that are out there. And I was definitely like that until I left for Washington. I, I, I think, and I'm going to push it back to you for a second. If your family and friends did not live in San Francisco, would you still live in San Francisco? Probably not. I'd probably live where they would live. Like I'm a very uh, homebody type of guy. So I like being next to my friends and family. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's my opinion too. I mean, I think, I feel like for us, because we're both from there and grew up there, we know so many people there. It makes California way more attractive than it might be to other people uh, that just don't know that many people there. Because yeah, from an outside looking in, it doesn't actually make a ton of sense when you think about how expensive it is. All the, uh, I mean, you walk around San Francisco and it, it looks pretty dead. Like there is a homelessness problem. There is a, a crime problem right now. And sure, that exists in plenty of other places. But uh, I, I think the bang for your buck of what you're getting in a lot of California, especially with how big taxes are, makes it a difficult place to live um, unless you're just making bank. That said, California, really great golf. Right, right. Uh, like it has incredible golf, partly because the state is so big. I mean, you can play from top to bottom, tons of places in the Bay Area, Ca uh, Monterey, all the name brand golf courses there. You go down to LA, there's good ones. Uh, San Diego, Torrey Pines. And so if we're just talking about golf and ignoring some of the other things, like how difficult it is to live there because of how expensive it is, like California kicks ass on golf courses. There's so much variety. You can go from like a forest up north to like a desert down in SoCal. You can be on the water in Monterey. So you can kind of play every single type of golf out there in one state which I, you can't say for so many other places right like you even got the hills next to tahoe too um it's just i agree man for golf it's absolutely incredible and you know the number of golf courses it seems like there's not enough because the tee times are always booked but we actually do have an incredible amount of golf courses uh on an absolute value basis so it's really um something that as someone who, you know who grew up in the bay area who uh you know, I, I, this might sound sort of like weird, but it is something that if I move anywhere else, I'm going to, I feel like I'm going to miss the Bay Area because it just has so much going for it. If you discount like the crime and the homelessness <laughs> and the taxes, um, it's so much going for it <laughs> if you discount everything. Yeah. No, I mean, it does it. It does. Like there's like incredible, uh, beaches and outdoor things but you can get a lot of that in other okay. states i just traveled to austin for a conference and i know zach you're going to be traveling there too get, love austin man great food great people spread out traffic isn't too bad but my god it's like 100 degrees every day and the weather actually it, it it's pretty insane because you know, it's muggy, it's humid, uh, and I can't imagine playing golf in that weather, okay? That just sounds terrible. 
I mean, in most states, weather is an issue, and it eliminates golf for part of the year, which is not a problem in California. So big plus, big plus on there. that side, exactly. So, but that's what you're paying for. Yeah, I mean, that's why your your taxes are so high. That's why it's, you know, you pay five thousand dollars to live in a one bedroom apartment in San Francisco. Yeah, correct. And and I think for a lot of people, that's like, is that actually worth it? Yeah, and I think there's obviously no right or wrong answer like it's based off of your preferences yeah we are trying to move back but uh we are sorting out some job stuff before we do (laughs) okay (laughs) because we were thinking about it and i don't know if it makes complete sense to move back without having anything like set up in california um so we have re-signed our lease in washington i knew (laughs) it dog i fucking knew it but we can break it pretty darn easily, so that's not really an issue. Um, okay. There have been there have been some developments, but it's it's going a little bit slower than we would have uh, would have hoped. Which honestly, I'm not complaining about that much. I love Washington, Seattle's. Awesome. I hope you have a very wet and rainy winter. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, bringing us back here. There's a comment on one of your videos where you're talking about golf shoes and what they mean for different people. And the top comment, you talk shit about the FootJoy premieres for them being uncomfortable, which I know you got a little bit of your intel from me because I, I did find them uncomfortable. And so the, the first comment was, the premieres are super, uh, super comfortable, question mark. I own four pairs. Wow. So, I mean, I don't know why John username john just at john nice <laughs> don't know why this guy owns four pairs but i've changed my tune on the foot joy premieres i am a huge oh, fan of these my. shoes they are incredible i have now owned foot the premieres the uh which ones are they the <laughs> the oh the the, uh, the, the um, fields the fields the fi- are they fields it's a one without the all the, What's the other details. one called tarlow yeah, they're like the 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 ones Max Homa wears, like the simple. Oh, he wears the, the fields. fields. Okay, yeah, they're the fields, latest version in white. I've now worn them for about seven or eight rounds. It's been a couple months, so comfy now. They're oh you you break them in, they mold to your feet, and they just look so sick on the golf course. I'm a, I'm all about it. I walked eighteen at Chambers in them, no blisters. Like we are good on the premieres. And uh, I'm a I'm a huge fan. I mean, I, I just look at them and they look like dress shoes. So I wonder, okay, if I walk 18 in dress shoes, would that be comfortable? And the answer would obviously be no, they wouldn't be. So I don't know if everyone's like, you know, trying to make sure that their selection was great. You know, trying to just psych themselves up, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, there's help me out here. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, I mean, so many people are just wearing athletic running shoes or just like very comfortable Nikes or something or like wearing a pair of Hoka's on the golf course. And when you compare them straight up to a shoe that's built around, like built for 60-year-old men, like a pair of Hoka's, right, that's supposed to be super comfy and made for running, like, yes, that's going to be slightly more comfortable than these shoes that are modeled after old school dress shoes but it's not always i mean they're but for what they are they are incredibly comfortable and what i like about foot joy and what they're doing in the golf space every single company out there is going the other direction right now everything's becoming more modern 
less classic, more for this, you know, golfer that doesn't really wear polos, doesn't wear slacks. You can wear whatever you want on the golf course. And I agree with a lot of that. I also think there is an element of appreciating where golf came from, the good things about golf, and like having a little bit of respect and uh, just like dressing up nicely for something that I really enjoy doing. You know, like you wear a nice collared shirt, maybe a suit to like a really nice dinner when you're going out on like an anniversary or something. I think you should dress up for golf when it's an important round. If you're going to play Pebble Beach, I'm not wearing shorts and sandals to Pebble Beach, right? I'm putting on my best golf outfit and that's going to include a pair of foot joys. And so that, for that reason, I'm, I'm wearing foot joys. Oh, man, <laughs> I, I feel it, man. I do. I honestly think they look great. All right, but there's this uh, like idea in me, this stereotype, which I say in the video. It's like, dude, if you wear these foot joys, you better be good, <laughs> right? And I don't know how many people qualify as being that good. Zach, I'd put you in there, though. I mean, look good, play good is our, our go-to generally here. I mean, wear whatever you want. I, I, I don't think we need to be elitist on what your handicap should be to wear a particular part of like a particular, uh, you know, shoe. But, uh, yeah, a lot of the sticks wear wear the foot choice. <laughs> <laughs> they're also just expensive. Like, are they, wor- dude, they're yeah, I don't bucks, know they're dude. but I've gone through like two or three pairs of those Nike Roshis, which are like yeah. 70 bucks. And I feel like these are going to last me twice as long. So it's kind of like, yeah, there's a little bit more quality in these compared to some of the very cheap golf shoes and they're waterproof. Dude, these, they look way better than Roshi's in my opinion. Roshi's aren't waterproof and Roshi's, the, this grip on the bottom, they fade so fast and there's just like little nubs. So during like difficult, not difficult, but like slippery terrain when it's wet, it's like, dude, good luck don't tear your acl you know yeah like two weeks from now when we head out to oregon questionable weather you might need some uh some foot joys or at least something with grip man uh gosh Bring when, it. once i get into single digits I'll, I'll buy one but yeah yeah i'm gonna jump ahead here i don't have this on my list but i remember one of the recent comments on the we had a video where aaron was talking about having a uh handicap requirement at particular courses and um some funny Mm. funny comments on that video but so you should all check it out but uh, (laughs) there were a lot of the courses that do have requirements are over in like scotland like people are talking about like saint andrews which has a requirement there are a couple other ones in like britain that they mentioned um and i think that's more of a thing over there like overseas than it is in the u.s and i think it happens more often at these very like high caliber courses that are a bit more expensive because they have to kind of like maintain pace of play like you and i think at st andrews and it's not something super low but it's probably around like a 20 or 23 to play st andrews so doable but they do have a little bit Dude, of a requirement I think, uh, yeah i i agree i thought it was always around 24 I remember hearing 24 for men and then 36 for women. Okay. But why? Yeah, yeah. Unless they've changed it, but I think it's 
dude, yeah, I'm seeing different things, but I think 24 would be a good amount because then you can like hit the ball and just go. It's not like you're just topping the ball or you're just, you know, hacking ditches into the old course, which would be really, really bad, right? So I saw this video with Andre Iguodala and he was talking about golfing with Steph Curry. Steph Curry is like, you know, a scratch golfer and Iggy used to not be that great. He was like a, I mean, he was good. He, he was probably like a 17 or 18 handicap. And in the video, he's talking about his journey to get down to a single digit handicap. And he's like, yeah, man, once you reach a seven or an eight, it opens up every single golf course in the world for you. Like you can feel confident enough to go play anywhere. Wow. And I guess my question for you is, as a, you know, you're like around a 20 handicap, do you feel like there are courses you would not want to play right now because you just don't feel good enough? And do you feel like if you go single digit, do you you agree with that statement? Dude, of course, right now, I don't even want to play at my like local muni because I've been (laughs) played for two weeks and, uh, you know, I had like a lesson three weeks ago and I've just been running a lot. So, yeah, I think some people you played beth page and you got around it oh yeah totally dude but even then it was like oh man i don't know if i had like a great time there i started off really rocky right yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean so did i it was a rough day for both of us but um yeah i think it is just what the worst feeling is is just when you lose balls constantly and that's what happened at weekle pot for me um and so once you're at seven, you're like, okay, well, you know the ball is going to like hit mostly straight. You might not make putt. That's not That's what, what the fuck? I, I'm a 6.5, and I lose three to four balls every round. No way, dude. That That's like the max. You lose probably one ball max, dude. It depends on the course. Yeah. On courses that are a bit more narrow, I lose a lot of golf balls. But when I heard that statement, I think we had kind of alternate reactions. I was like, man, I don't feel confident as like a six and a half on a lot of places that's wild so i don't think you ever get fully confident i think you just know how to manage stuff better well i think once you're like that level you show up at a course and if there are other people who you don't know that are playing with you you're probably like okay at least i can hang right and the caddies won't be like oh man look at this guy (laughs) having a caddy is scary i've only had it once but there's just an expectation that you're supposed to be like, you should be able to hit the ball and then you miss and you're just like, Oh, sorry. And then he like, he'll give it, the caddy will give advice. And it's like, it does, it's not even, he's like, yeah, you should aim down the right side of the fairway. You want to get in between these two bunkers. And it's like, I can barely hit the fairway. Like I'm not going to hit like in this 10 yard range down the right side of the fairway. So I'm going to stay away from caddies for a while. <laughs> I don't know. Dude, I feel, wow. I didn't like wow. it. I feel like even when, uh, you know, we, play as three and then we get the fourth and that guy's always like oh oh you should do this you should avoid the right you know here the greens are tricky here you should you know hit it short like the really nice fourth guy that completes our group yeah i'm just like oh my gosh god bless you man i'm trying to do everything you're trying to say but you can see me right now i'm just like not not there and i feel bad it's not him even especially for putts man putts are like Oh yeah, it's like left edge, and then it's like, dude, I zoom it on the right side. It's like, talk. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I I promise, I trust you. Yeah, golf's a difficult game. Yeah, well, that's it from me, Zach. Do you have any more that you want to talk about? 
oh man that's good stuff it's nice to look back reflect at all of the uh, videos that we've made and uh, all of the reactions to them uh, yeah like you said man it's a uh, at first i was like damn these guys are really like the internet's really mean especially when i made the masters a uh, bubba white chicken breast video people are mean man but at the same time we get a lot of great reactions to a lot of people who love our stuff follow so for that we thank you and thank you for listening uh really do appreciate it we do this every week and without the support of you guys we wouldn't we'd be like dude nah screw this golf is too much for us um but all said and done thanks again for listening through the whole show and we'll be back next week <laughs>